And we're back. Maybe. I'll tell you what. Uh, for those of you who tuned in hoping to see Mark, I'm sorry you have to see my face. Uh, I'm good at, you know, talking to myself, so this should be a natural sort of uh, transition for me where the rest of you are like, oh, now we have to hear him. Um, glad to have you here. Glad to share. Uh, Mark and I met a couple of weeks ago, and I kind of shared a little bit about my journey, church, uh, about what kind of is going through me in the last while. And Mark's like, no, I think that's something we need to share. So that's how, that's how this happened. <laughs> uh, for those of you watching online, which is, you know, everyone, uh, I do want to encourage you, take advantage of the medium, right? Uh, love Facebook, hate Facebook, love YouTube, hate it. I don't care. Comment, share, like. Uh, it, it, it sort of builds the interaction. So you want to say, Paul, you have ugly hair this morning. I'm good with that. All right. All right, let's get started. Okay, so we're going to talk about Christmas 2020. And um, look at that. Magical. Okay, so we're going to talk this morning a little bit about not just Christmas, but the the blessing that's buried in it. And I, and I want to look at things that maybe a little di- different this year, because maybe this year, 2020, might allow for that. Uh, so anyway, uh, 2020, it's nuts, right? Like, it is straight up nuts. I mean, uh, and I have good news and bad news for you. I, I don't know how many of you guys have done Google searches like Mayan calendar 2020 cursed. <laughs> I have. <laughs> Maybe too many. Google's like auto-completing it for me now, right? Uh, you know, I've gone through the book of Revelation. There's got to be something in here about 2020. So the bad news is there's, there's not. It's, there's, nothing, there's nothing unique or special about this year. I kind of think it's one of those really weird years where there's just tensions and pressures that have been building up and building up and building up. And just like an earthquake where you've got these plates that are ready to shift, it just kind of shifted, right? And so we're kind of seeing that come out. So that's the bad news. There's nothing there. The good news is 2020 doesn't care. We can still blame it, right? So it's there, and and it's just a year. It's just a year like any other year. However, we're going to start with a couple weird things, 2020. It's nuts. Okay, so first thing. uh, This year we have, uh, for the first time, in like 800-ish, and I'm I'm keeping that loose because I'm not an astronomer. First time, we have a Christmas star. That's kind of a cool thing. And what it is, is uh, in, in December, we're going to see the alignment of Saturn and Jupiter just so that it will be the brightest star in the sky. Super cool, right? Uh, Saturn is, uh, in Roman mythology, the god, is god of agriculture. And Jupiter is like uh, the god of sky and lightning. So it kind of feels like 2020, again, sort of just tensions, right? Weather and food. Okay, so that's this year. Also this year, we've got, uh, and we're going to roll through these pretty quick, the Pentagon released uh, three videos of UFOs in April. Did you you guys even notice that? It just kind of went through. I was like, there's UFOs, there's aliens, (laughs) right? And then the next day, I was like, I'm angry again, because that's what we do. It's 2020, right? Uh, Tiger King, you guys remember this? I know, we all did, and yet we couldn't not watch it. Joe Exotic 
and Carol Baskin, right? I mean, we were glued. I don't want to say that I've added some of the people who were workers at the Tiger Zoo as friends on Facebook, but I have. <laughs> All right. Also, there's a new planet discovered this year by a kid in high school, uh, six times the size of Earth. It revolves around two suns or two suns revolve around it, something that there's always a shadow on it. But there's just this quick glimpse where he's looking through a magic telescope, and he was like, that looks like a planet. So he goes to his, his, his mentors at NASA, and he's like, I think that's a planet. They're like, it is. Big, big deal. Big, big deal. All right, keep moving. Uh, there was a green puppy born this year. What? Yes. Right. I know. You're like, what? But so a litter of five dogs, I think it was Italy. The puppy's name is Pistachio, which feels fitting. But something about amniotic fluid, you know, puppy's green. Puppy's green. Okay. Uh, also this year on the animal front, our good friend, the murder hornets. We hear the term murder, herner, murder hornets, and then we see how large they are. We're like, yeah, no, that is a thing. We're going to die. And I thought, should I not show this? Because I know I have this aversion to bees. Bees, crickets, spiders, snakes. Really the bitey ones more than any of the others. But murder hornets I'm not a fan of. Um, anyway, let's keep moving. This week, uh, last couple weeks, we've been getting these mysterious monoliths show up. And then disappear as quickly as they show. Is it a is it a thing? Maybe. Like, is it somebody like, hey, check out, uh, you know? And then, like, in in two weeks, we're gonna see a thing that says save 10% on truck liners, right? Monoliths. Maybe. I don't know. It's 2020, right? Um, you know. And then to take it down to the personal side, this year, and this was like a week ago. We had, uh, my son had been exposed, his little wrestling partner at Single Mountain High School had the COVID, and they had wrestled for like two hours straight. They're like, you're going to need to quarantine him. Yes, we will. So we went and quarantined. Uh, uh, the, the, the line for uh, the drive, that's the top left picture. The line uh, for the drive was like two hours, and it stretched all the way to downtown, all along Riverfront Drive. Uh, the same day, my wife called and said, I'm stuck on the freeway. The clutch is no longer working. So, so I had to come pick her up in our, for her Jetta. And then lastly, same thing, same day, our septic tank exploded. I mean, I'm not kidding. Like, I'm like, oh, let's see if we can dig this thing out. And then all of a sudden, it was pressurized. The guy came, he's like, hey, you have a poop bomb in your yard. Yes. All in one day. And I was like, of course, because it's 2020. I called Mark. I was like, you will not believe any of this stuff. And he's like, yeah, I mean, it's 2020. And, that, it's 2020. and that, doesn't, that doesn't take into account any of the pandemic, right? That little thing that we've all been locked in our houses for like nine months for no reason. And for lots of reasons, the pandemic. Yeah, 2020. That's happening now, too. What's the outcome of this? Because we have all of this stuff taking place all at once. We get... Fear. Man, there's lots of fear running around. Lots of it. It's gripping, right? Kind of takes over. And, and, you, and you try to control your fear. Like, ah, I got this. I'm, I'm going to be brave today. Right? But it's still there. It's always there. We see sickness everywhere. People are carrying anxiety. And there's no order to this, by the way. <laughs> it's not like first to worst. 
Because if you're feeling anxiety, the fact that it's there doesn't matter because it feels real right now. And it feels overwhelming right now because maybe I've gotten past the fear. I've been able to stuff that down and I haven't gotten sick and that's great. But man, I'm carrying anxiety in a way that I've never carried before. My back's gone out. Personally, my back has gone out this year and, and, and in other years it hasn't because I have extra anxiety I'm carrying. Yeah, just put it up on the Lord. Yeah, that's easy to say, but at the same time, it really feels something here. Hopelessness, right? How many people are having trouble with with either losing a job, which is kind of further down, or income disruption, or maybe you can't find a job, maybe you've got relationship issues. Mark talked about it last week, and, and, I, and I loved how he said it. He said, you know, maybe, just maybe, where you were having relationship issues before, now there's a big, bright light shining on it, because you're mad already, right? And now it's even worse. But that's not entirely it. Sometimes it's brand new stuff, but because we're all amped up, it's harder than normal. Depression. Man, that's a real thing. That feeling of like, I don't really want to get up today. Not because I don't have things to do, but literally getting up is hard. It's real, and it's real because because we're stuck at home. Because we're not having our same community channels where we go to church and we see our friends and we're playing softball together. Sometimes we are, but it's not the same, right? So we've talked about uh, job, income, broken relationships, broken families. All of that hurts. It's hard. Here's the thing, and this is, this is kind of what the catalyst for the message was a little bit. Um, it feels like we're waiting for something, right? It feels like we're just in this stage of like, uh, <laughs> we're waiting Waiting, waiting, waiting for something. You go ahead and, and do that. Um, feels like we're waiting for something. I'm going to show a video here. It's from a friend of mine, uh, John Brockman. John played for the University of Washington uh, basketball. Before that, he was in Young Life, and I had the opportunity to take him to Young Life camp. Or I was at camp at the same time. And I know you're asking, did I challenge him to a game of one-on-one basketball when he was a high school freshman? I did because he was special. Did I beat him? You betcha I did. Here are the rules. First point scores. I mean, he was like 400 feet tall at the time. First point scores. We didn't call fouls, and I got the ball first. Yeah, I, you've had a, it took me like four or five shots, and I was I was going to win this. Anyway, so he, uh, he, he went on to do some videos. He went to play for the, uh, again, University of Washington, Milwaukee Bucks. Maybe the Knicks, I don't remember. Went and played in Europe. When he came back, he, we were at Malibu, a uh, camp up in Canada, and he put uh, this video together. Can we run that video?
All right. All right, cool. So that's John Brockman. Here's the thing about that. He calls his shot every time. Now, we know there was all kinds of, like, practice going into that. Like, no one makes that many shots in a row without, without even trying. But he calls a shot, doesn't he? And what's the difference between making a basket where you're like, oh, good luck, woo, and call, like, okay, it's going off the backboard, around the, around the world, and then in. You called your shot because you knew it was coming. See, that's the thing that we're talking about here with, uh, with Jesus. Before Jesus was born, and go ahead and move to the next slide, God called his shot, okay? He said, and he, he laid out a whole bunch of prophecies, and I'm not going to go through them all one, you know, in, into scripture on each one of these, but I wanted to provide the scripture there so you could take a shot of it, and you could come back and maybe look those up later. But let's go through it really quick. Okay, so prophecies. This is just about Jesus' birth. And there's lots of, of prophecy through the whole Bible, right? Um, it said that the nations will be blessed through Abraham's lineage. And in the Bible, it talks about how Jesus is a descendant of Abraham. God's covenant with Isaac's ancestors, again, shows up. The nations will be blessed through Jacob's offspring. The sept, uh, and so we see that in Luke 3.34. The scepter will come through Judah, David's offspring will have an eternal kingdom. And this is where it gets really crazy. A virgin will give birth and called Emmanuel, God with us. And I'll tell you what, things weren't that different than today. Like if you, wait, you're having a baby and you're a virgin. Cool. That's, it wasn't different then, right? That was still miraculous. Um, The Messiah will end up in Egypt, which he did. And uh, it says that the Christ will be born in Bethlehem, a tiny little town in Israel. Okay. Feel free to go back through those if you like. Um, uh, Let's go to the next slide. There we go. Um, Even with those prophecies... Folks waited a long time. They were waiting, just like we're waiting today. They were waiting. They knew, they knew that all of this stuff was there saying God was going to have a... Uh, 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 Eugene Peterson says, uh, Jesus, God will put skin on and come and move into the neighborhood. They expected something, right? And so this is where the kings, the magi, the astrologers, the royalty... They understood prophecy. They understood all of these pieces. We think about king with a robe and uh, sandals and a scepter and a ring and uh, probably a crown because it's a king thing, right? And, uh, you know, the idea that you would be sort of just doling out, do this thing or that. But I'm telling you, these folks were a little different. They were astrologers. They understood the stars. They understood and they could afford to travel, which we all want to. I'm going to ask for, uh, I'm going to go through the scripture of the kings, and I want to just sort of ask permission to put on pause for a second your hearing of the Christmas story. Because what ends up happening when we talk about Christmas is we immediately go, pause, I've already heard this, it's time to tune out. I get that, man, it's Christmas, we've heard this story a lot. Maybe it's our first time, probably not, if you're tuned in. Okay, so... Uh, what we're going to do is I'll read the next couple of slides. It's the scripture. Uh, growing up, I'd make everyone stand up, and this is the word of the Lord. We're not doing that. Well, you can. You can if you want to. And if you're at home, please stand up because this and take pictures of it. Post it on the comments because we want to see that. Okay. So uh, Matthew 2, 1 through 12. This is, this is about the kings. 
Okay. Uh, when I finish, when we, you can't guess. Yeah, stand up. Go ahead. I don't care. Uh, when we, uh, when we finish, I'll give you the revised, slandered version. Paul's interpretation here a little bit, but let's just start. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi kings from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where's the Messiah was to be born? And they said, in in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, and, and this is the prophecy, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He had sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child as soon as you find him. Report to me so that I may go and worship him. After that, they had heard the king. They went on their way, and the star they had seen while it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Having, Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Look at that. You may be seated. Again, I'm so excited about that. Okay, so these guys, uh, and, and we like to we like to have three of them because that naturally fits the the placement of people in the live nativity. Three shepherds, three kings. That's what we have to have. But let's maybe zoom out a little bit and just say these are guys that are folks that are well educated. They understand the stars and they understand all of this. And together they decided we're going to do this thing. And maybe it was like a Tuesday morning coffee group where they're like, I I saw this star and there was this prophecy and all of these things coming together. I think we should follow it. That makes sense. Doesn't it? I mean, that's definitely a decision we would all make. (laughs) Here's the thing. They were waiting. They were waiting, waiting, waiting. Uh, As a world, they were waiting for a savior. 400, 500, 1,000, a bajillion years. They were waiting. And they came. They ran into Herod. Yeah, you can leave it there. They ran into Herod. And Herod says, I don't know anything about this. This I want to kill the baby, whatever, right? And then they went on and uh, went to see Jesus. And God continued to whisper in their hearts the right answers. But they were waiting, right? And here's the thing. They're waiting translated to a blessing. They, and what does that blessing look like for them? And there's thousands here because if you put yourself in their picture for a second, this idea like, wait, so we follow the star for how long? I don't know from, from how far a long time. It wasn't, let's hop on our camels this morning and see this thing, right? It was a long ways. And when they got there, Herod, okay, that sort of builds into this thing. Okay, that confirmed it. When they got to where the star was, there was a baby in a manger fulfilling the prophecy. The shot was called. They met this baby, Jesus, the God who moved in the neighborhood and put skin on. And it was a blessing both for them and for future generations. Hop on my laps, grandkids. Let me tell you about the time I met 
the savior of the universe. Let's on to the next slide there. See, the kings had that message of hope. And, and I don't believe it's any accident that they showed up there. God placed in their hearts a need, almost like coded into their DNA, a need to go in search of this king that had been prophesied. Where does this translate to me, to you, to people listening at home or watching at home? What's your blessing? And if you think Paul's done talking, you're wrong. What's your blessing? In the midst of all of this turmoil, whether it's politics, violence, my goodness, I logged into the Twitters this morning, I was like, oh my Lord, I just can't do this. I can't. Upheaval, fear, loss and anxiety. Just like the kings, those magi back 2,000 years ago, God has encoded in your heart a message of home, what home is, what home means, and purpose. He's coded that on you. Just like the kings were searching for a savior, you have something you're searching for too. And I know it's vague, and I'm sorry. Hang with me. Um, here's the thing. Uh, waiting for the Lord produces a blessing. Abraham, in the Old Testament, waited on a son. He was blessed. Joseph, and his coat of many colors waited in prison for a blessing. And he was blessed. Jo uh, Moses, Caleb, and Joshua waiting in the wilderness for the hope of God's promise while they were in exile. Noah waiting on a flood. Ruth waiting in the fields. See, that's the thing. When we wait on the Lord, it does produce a blessing. Here's the thing. I know this is not necessarily what you want to hear because I've set the table so well right now to be like, well, what's coming? Wait, tell me about this blessing. I need it. What happens? What happens if God doesn't show his power? What if there's not a blessing on the other end that you can see and touch? What if the, the God of the universe isn't born into the world? Does anything change? Our son, we named Noah. We named him Noah because God told him to build an ark. God didn't tell him there's going to be a flood. Maybe he did. But he told him to build an ark. And Noah was faithful and built that ark. And Noah was blessed for doing that. The fact that there was a flood didn't have anything to do with Noah's faithfulness. His blessing came from being faithful. And that's what I want to sort of start with here, right? If we're talking about faithfulness produces a blessing. There's more to come. Here's the thing, though. In that waiting, this is my attempt at, you know, kind of funny. Uh, the waiting is where the lesson is learned, right? It's, it's in this moment. It's in the pandemic. It's when we're stuck at home. It's when our relationships are broken. It's when we're having trouble with work. It's when we're having trouble with coworkers and colleagues. That's where the blessing comes. It's in being faithful in that time. It's the waiting and how it feels is like this. I'm barely holding on. And that's the thing. In those moments, that's where God reaches in and does big, amazing things in your heart and in your life. And maybe, maybe there will be a, a savior that blows up out of the other side of it. But don't count on this because for you, it is right here. It's in your heart. That is what we're dealing with. We had an opportunity this summer uh, me and my three boys 
to go to a camp up in Vermont. Uh, Joe DeSena, uh, uh, Spartan Races, um, uh, Andy Rovac, uh, wrestler. It, it was called Death Camp. I know, and it sounds exactly like it was. <laughs> I mean, it was the idea, like, how do we create circumstances that are just so miserable you want to raise your hand and say, I'm out? What we're looking at here, this is 2 o'clock in the morning. They're sitting in glacier-fed water for 45 minutes. If they start to shiver and get cold, you have to get out and do burpees. It's stupid. No one does this. Joe, I talked to him about it beforehand and uh, kind of beforehand, but I got his heart. And here's the thing. He was like, I feel like the best gift I can give these kids is teaching them to be comfortable with discomfort. How do I teach them to live in the midst of crazy? And when we're sitting in the middle of a pandemic, that's a pretty healthy outcome, isn't it? My kids did fantastic. I was so proud of them because they, they did. They rose to the occasion. We're called to be comfortable with discomfort because I know here's the thing. We're all thinking, well, as soon as this pandemic's over, I'm just going to go back to normal. Everything's going to be perfect. We're going to have the kids over for Christmas. We're going to have 4th of July picnic this year. We're going to have more fireworks than ever before. We're going to catch something on fire this year accidentally. It's going to be epic. (laughs) And you might. That may still happen, right? But let me just offer up this idea that there is going to be a new normal. And what you've come from, this sense of comfort, comfort is never promised to us in the Bible. Never in the, anywhere does God say, thou shalt be comfortable. In fact, if anything, it's the opposite, right? All right, let's go on to the next. But here's the thing about waiting. Waiting is hard, right? It is. The reason we're all nodding along at home and here in the, in the little space is because waiting is hard. It does suck. It's a fear of the unknown, And you've got all of these questions coming up. Like, yes, I can wait. I can do this thing because God has prepped me. And you're asking questions like, well, what if there isn't a blessing? What if on the other end, I don't have one of those magical things, right? Um, And it also requires your actions. Um, You, uh, it requires you to be silent, still, Listen, to be present with the Lord in the midst of chaos all around you. You have to be comfortable with that discomfort for a moment to be like, I'm going to let the God of the universe come and meet me where I'm at right now. Okay, so let's go to the next. What does that mean? God is calling us all to a radical more. And it's not a sermon on Sunday morning if you can't get the word radical into it. So check that off the list. But there's a couple pieces to that. One is the personal side, right? What does that radical more look like? What does it mean to be different in the midst of this? It means we have to be quiet and listen to the God of the universe who coded you, who made you, and loves you for who you are. It means we have to start praying. That has to become regular a part of thing. If you're not doing it now, start. If you are, do it more because that's 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 our our help right now. Start worshiping fully when we're when we're uh, at home on the YouTube and the worship band starts praying. Yeah, stand up, give them the Jesus hands. I don't care. The point is, 
in the midst of all of this, where is God going to meet you? And maybe it's not. I know I like to make fun of things. I'm sorry. Um, and spend more time in the Word, because that's God's, and I, we're, I feel like we're doing a little bit of the basics of Christianity, and that's okay. Spend more time in the Word. That's where God reaches us. That's, that's His way of talking to us, one of those ways. And then there's the public or corporate, and that's like loving deeper. How do we become hope to a hopeless world? When you look at all that's going on with the politics of our world, at least in the United States, it's overwhelming, How do we become different? How do we love deeper? How do we pull ourselves out of the fray and say, listen, I am here to serve one God, and that's it. And and all of this, God has that under control. And yes, I'm scared and panicky, but that's okay. And within that, serving others. Okay, here's the thing. How you're feeling, you are not the only one feeling that way. It's that same list we looked at earlier. I'm not going to go through it again. If you're feeling that, your neighbor is feeling that, the person behind you is feeling that, your children are feeling that, your grandparents are feeling that. Everyone is feeling that right now. You have a purpose. God has coded that on your heart. Does that mean call him up? Yeah, probably. A special Zoom, one-on-one, mono a mono Sure, I don't care. The point is, God has given you the ability to share what you have with others. You have a purpose. And maybe it's bigger than that. Maybe it's not. What is the blessing? I had, to, I, I had to, I had to do that sort of here, uh, real prescriptive. It's the same blessing that was there two thousand years ago, right? A personal relationship with the God of the universe who created all things and created you. <clears throat> A God that loves you and wants to know you. A God that wants to sit with you in the midst of your filth and love you not as you should be, but as you are. A God whose only barrier to entry is your willingness to come. A God that marked the coming of the blessing known as Jesus with a star 2,000 years ago. A God who offered that same star this month. And I'd be remiss to not get a little more abstract because that's part of what we're doing today. Just like God buried in the hearts of those kings 2,000 years ago a purpose to go and find this Savior. He's buried in your heart a calling to something bigger. Bigger than yourself. Bigger than you can imagine. In the midst of all of this waiting, take the time to understand where you fit into that plan. I will close with a couple little stories. Blessings come in the strangest of places. We had a moment, our iconic black van. Many of you know it, some of you don't. It's big and and it's come to become synonymous with our family. Our son Noah was driving on a, a narrow road up on Signal Mountain And uh, he wasn't texting. He wasn't doing anything wrong. He wasn't even speeding. It was a big van on a narrow road. And uh, there's no shoulder. And what happened is the tire caught the edge and pulled it in and slid along the, the edge of the road. The airbags deployed. The van is totaled. The guy on the right there, his name's Steve. He was our tow truck driver. And for people who live here in the southern areas, we call those wreckers. 
Everyone else, it's just a tow truck. So Steve, I ran into him a couple days later, and I was like, you're the guy. You, you pulled us out. He's like, yeah, I did. He's like, I just got to tell you, I don't know if you're a person of faith or not. He's like, if you notice where that van is hinging on the cement, he's like, it was teetering on your gas tank. He was like, your son survived. He's like, God did that for a reason. God has big plans for your son. I know, I know. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I want you to know, I've been praying for Noah every day since then, and I'll continue to pray for him. Oh my goodness. Blessings come from nowhere. And that's the thing about blessings. It's subversive. Go to the next slide. This is the subversive nature of Jesus. There is no blessing earned. We don't work harder. We don't do more. That's not where the blessing comes from. The blessing comes from the God of the universe who has the power to change everything in the blink of an eye, but instead gets in the pit of our filth and makes us better. That's the message of the cross. That's the message of the birth narrative. That's the message of Jesus. Everything up until Jesus was about sort of expansion. And everything since then is God calling us back to himself. Which I think is fitting that we have a a Christmas star this year in 2020. A reminder that we're supposed to be following something. God has buried in your hearts something much bigger than yourself, and he's calling you to more. And that's it. Thanks for listening.